0: Mike.
1: Mike, how to,
0: Mike, how to train your
2: microphone, Woo. I'm tripping out right now,
1: yeah, oh, oh. Mike, microphones assert the same sentience applied to humans.
0: Hello, welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast where every week, we train a dragon. I'm Ernest Calderon.
1: I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm Drew
2: Dietzen. And we're getting into it the main trilogy of movies, the first trilogy to ever be made. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you before... think that
1: this is going to start a trend? How no. to train your dragon? Oh, the whole trilogy
2: thing? Yeah. I don't, hmm. I, I
1: don't think so, but we'll have to see.
0: Yeah. Uh, well we are talking the hidden world and a whole bunch of other stuff including uh, Saturday night Live and little true detective that I uh, caught up with that, the finale uh, and other other things that we've experienced with our eyeballs and ear holes here in uh in this crazy crazy world crazy world guys it's it's the year 2019 and and things could not be any more nuts but let's' Let's bury it one last time with the Oscars. It it feels like we've been bludgeoned to death with award season. So let's not
1: labor over this too much. I'm just going to say I'm never watching another movie from 2018. (laughs) After going on this journey, which by the way, listeners, thanks to you, I was successful in it. I watched every single thing that was nominated for some ungodly reason. I sat through Mary Queen of Scots and The Wife and I did it all for you beautiful people. How was How was Mary Queen of Scots? It's not good. Oh, okay. It's like, hey, those costumes are pretty. This story sucks. Saoirse Ronan's getting raped now. What's oh, happening? No. Yeah, it's not a good film.
0: All right. So winners from the night,
2: easily we can say Olivia Colman and Olivia Spike Lee. day. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Brian, that was like- Brian Singer. <laughs> Gotta mention oh, yes. he's on the list.
1: Well, I mean, somebody has to mention him because those winners certainly yeah. did not. I, I thought that,
0: that Rami Malik, when he won Best Actor, that he was gonna in some way address no, no, the uh, why,
1: why would he? I don't
2: like him, yeah, he, he's creepy. <laughs> the Twitter did, thing. did you see the video? He's creepy now, yeah, he,
1: well, he just looks, I feel like his now his thing is he needs to be like he's rumored to be the next bond villain and like yes i I think it's confirmed okay cool cast him in roles like that because i don't trust his eyes did did
0: you see the twitter video that was going around yeah it was something he would i have no idea the context
2: but he's just saying like i guess i'm a fan of mischief well (laughs) it's clearly it's some kind of press for bohemian but like oh my god like it's like he's like a psychopath it's not just the way he like he looks it's the way he's acting is like chilling which a lot of actors are like that a lot of actors when you tell them to be themselves they have no idea what to do because their whole life is dedicated to being other people so they're just like uh i like um (laughs) things mischief
1: (laughs) i will be a little bit of a rami malek apologist um now on the podcast he's a talented dude he's very talented i think he's a great actor. I like him as a supporting character, I think, more than a lead. I have not seen... I, um, I almost said iRobot. Mr. Robot. <laughs> Mr. iRobot. Um, but, like, I love whenever I just see him pop up in something. Like, I talk about later, but I saw The Master, and I was like, oh, shit, that's that's Academy oh yeah, Award winner Rami Malek. Nice. Mm. Uh, are you,
2: are you going to talk about that today? Yep. Dude,
0: oh well. okay, good. I, I love that movie. When he won the Oscar... He wasted like the first thirty seconds of his time making out with his girlfriend. And did you know that his girlfriend is the co-star of Bohemian Rhapsody, the blonde chick? Yeah. Mm. So what's going on there? Did they set them up? Did the studio set them up as like a publicity stunt? Brian Singer like set them up and was like no
1: fucking kiss.
0: Oh god. No yeah. kiss. That I mean, that's cute, I guess. Speaking of studio setups (laughs) lady gaga and bradley cooper making sweet (laughs) sweet love on stage so the
1: funny thing that happened with all this because i like we were watching it all live together and we're like oh my god like they're having so much like eye fucking with each other right now and it was great because i didn't realize whenever they came back to their seats uh, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga Were separated by one seat And in the middle Was Bradley Cooper's girlfriend Yeah Like that is an awkward Drive home Drive home yeah, I haven't even thought site. about that like, Yeah Like that he's oh, just no. going home And just like Yeah so, so why, why don't you go home With fucking Lady Gaga then Alright He's like You're ugly <laughs> You know,
2: you're just ugly.
0: <laughs> well, it, the performance started out a little shaky because Bradley Cooper can't sing unless he's playing Jackson Maine.
1: Yeah, him singing as normal. I mean, it, <laughs> it was, was a little... it was it was definitely it was better than the Vegas show, yeah. without a doubt. Well, um, the
2: thing is, it was passable because most like male country style singers are not good anyway. So he fit in. Mm-hmm. He was actually he's actually a great singer, but to be in character, he has to be a bad singer. Well, right,
1: right, yeah. And, I mean. <laughs> The bar was very low for them because the other musical performances of the night were not great or just not there in the case of Kendrick and didn't <laughs> They Didn't even just, show up. They didn't even bother to <laughs> show up. I mean, why would they, honestly? It serves them no purpose. I mean, Usually the live yeah. shows at the Oscars are a joke anyways. Um, who was the person who sang uh, I'll Fight? Was that Jennifer? Uh, Jennifer Hudson? Jennifer. Oh, God, that was... Really bad. Well, and yeah, bad song. All
0: of the musical performances are like that's your bathroom break. Like that's where you go, get up, <laughs> yeah. make a drink.
1: <laughs> I'd rather watch the commercials than those. They're things. just
2: <laughs> they're not memorable. Like, do you know that channel that airs like the concert channel? If you have like a big cable yeah, package. Like, yeah, yeah no one watches it unless it's like background exactly like you don't it's just put it on and be like background. hey I should watch this arcade fire concert in its entirety <laughs> no well, it's on TV it's not good it's Well, a fake I mean, concert. to
1: that point then should we just get rid of the best song category at the Oscars because um, we already have a best song in a motion picture award at the Grammys I mean
0: I would have agreed with you until I saw Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga <laughs> well, but the thing is, just is, going at it the
1: thing is is like oh, in the so case hard. of A Star is Born or La La Land when there's a song that uh accelerates is in the, the story plot, yeah yeah when it's actually in the movie then yes i can understand that but whenever it's like all the stars which introduces the credits of black <laughs> panther it's like does this really need an oscar nominee like, i don't um, understand well this. i
2: mean it's gonna stick around because they're leaning into the popular stuff yeah. and people these days like music mm, <laughs> I've st- i'm starting music to pick up on it
0: um okay another couple takeaways from the show uh, No host went great.
2: Yeah, it went it, fine. It was yeah. it was
1: smooth. I mean, it ended up working out Then bringing out Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. And I thought Maya that was hilarious. That was, that was the what they needed to set the show off because we have Adam Lambert's queen to actually uh, open up the show. Which that was, was rough. It was as good as you could expect Adam Lambert leading queen to be in a yeah. live setting. It's
2: just the a whole concept of a host is like silly because it's like... It's like you need someone like really cool to hold this whole thing on their shoulders. And be like, hey, this is my party. You're welcome to come in like, you know, that's the vibe that the host has to have, but it's not their thing. Well, like, I, it's not about them at all. And sometimes the bits that they do, like, totally derail the flow yeah. of yeah. the show. Like,
1: I think Jimmy Kimmel did a pretty solid job last couple of years, but whenever he tries to bring in ordinary people, it just, it stalls the show, and, like, yeah. a very... So, any extended host one. bit um, sucks. But, I mean, between that and the lack of montages, we only had two montages, guys. We had one at the very beginning of the movie, and then the In Memoriam.
0: Oh, Okay. I, I would um, yeah, I wouldn't technically count the in memoriam. That's kind of its own thing. It's,
1: yeah, it's not so really we had one montage. Of and it was right at the beginning of the broadcast. Yeah. It had everything. No venom. No venom though. It had everything from uh I feel pretty to Aquaman. Mama Mia two. Mama Mia two to everything that wasn't nominated oh, for yeah. an Oscar. All the heavy hitters. Tweet, yeah.
0: tweet us out we bought a mic if there was Venom. I'm pretty sure there wasn't. Um, you see wasn't him? I might Just, be like, wrong.
1: Jumping in a fish tank or something.
2: Um <laughs> so so to get into like all the nitty gritties we don't need to, we can just like go over it really quick so obviously a lot of bad choices were made green book won a lot bohemian rhapsody yeah. won a lot um bohemian I rhapsody won the most i think yeah yeah i i talked about this on my wnsc uh internet radio show mm-hmm. uh wednesdays at 3 p.m aka prime time yeah uh <laughs> the there's a i don't know i i get kind of bothered every year because they they're wrong about a lot every year Mm -hmm. like it's it can't be a surprise anymore when they're just super wrong um and i it feels sometimes like there's this vibe that like all the other movies if they don't win just go away and like you're not allowed to watch them anymore but we are it's so great because we're still allowed to enjoy every movie that we like. Well,
1: And time and time again we see the Oscar go to the like this year for example Spike Lee won for Black Klansman. I like Black Klansman. Spike Lee should have won Oscar 20 years ago. It always happens Glenn Close was supposed to win an Oscar for The Wife just because the Oscars are always late to everything Mm -hmm. like this isn't, isn't a new thing and at this point I've gotten kind of to the point over the last few years where i personally care more about the uh like the writing like best original screenplay than i do best picture because usually that reflects my own movies that i prefer over something like
0: green book but green book was the one that it's crowd pleasing yeah yeah so
2: yeah i mean really i guess the oscars in terms of like actually what they do they do give a, a big bump to the movies that are recognized just because it hits the news cycle for a couple of days um and it gives it kind of an air of legitimacy however i on my wnsc uh, internet radio show <laughs> primetime wednesdays at three i i i wanted to emphasize the all the movies i love that didn't get nominated just to like just to show that it really it doesn't matter that they didn't win mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter that if bad movies won we can still watch the good ones right and we can still love them yeah i still love the thing
0: every movie i saw that was good the thing that kind of like gets under my skin about this whole thing is that for a small i don't know if small but there is a fraction of the population that doesn't pay attention to film on like a a deep level like we do and things like the oscars and award season are their way to kind of gauge like what is the 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 best you know and if you kind of have like half a mind on awards uh, and on movies and then you hear like green book is the best picture of the year that sends a certain message to mainstream regular folk out there that like this is the movie that they need to pay attention and it goes in this echelon of all these other best picture winners which some are you know not great but they're still remembered as like the movie of that year by the the one award show that gets the most clout and picking a movie like green book is like it's a fucking punch in the gut to to that feeling of like these this is this
1: really the best that we can show for the industry for like the whole culture yeah that this is supposed to reflect the best movie of the year i think that like i mean it just it sucks and you could tell even (laughs) when presenting the award um who was it that uh presented the final award Um, uh julia roberts julia roberts she basically was just like and the winner is green book and then she went she gave it and was like all right that's the end of the show everybody go home uh, now it's like, it just left such a sour taste in the mouth of everybody. And I mean, Sean Fennessy for The com has been writing this for a while now, and this award show confirmed it, about this idea of there are two academies. There is the young this, and the new. There's yeah. the or old the, yeah. and the new. And in a lot of ways, it is kind of a reflection of society and politics today, yeah. about how it's we have connected. these two yeah. uh, stratified cultures that are, like, kind of at complete opposition of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, before we move on, want to talk about a couple other words that stuck out to me. Shout out to Lord and Miller, getting up on Spider-verse. stage. After just getting fired from Solo, mm. which, by the way, did nothing, of course, um, and was widely panned by everyone, after getting kicked off of this project, winning an Oscar for Spider-Verse.
0: Quick uh, shout out, though. Solo was nominated for one Oscar for visual effects, which everyone thought it would lose to Avengers. And it went to fucking
1: First Man. I'm so happy. I really was worried that this year, like it, it just kind of had that feeling to me that 10 years from now, we'd look back and First Man and Damien Chazelle would have already been nominated two or three more times for best director. We've been like, he didn't want a single Oscar for First Man. This like very intimate, uh, kind of takedown of a, it's, it's very, uh, non-standard biopic and the way that it, uh, shows the uh, subject matter. And the fact that it won for visual effects, I, I was pushing towards it. I was like, yeah. "This should win Best Visual Effects." They did not actually go to the moon. This should be yeah. the movie oh, that
2: wins. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Now, now I, do you get it? Yeah. Now you I know know I go back I and change your ballot. Well,
0: shout out to Roma, Netflix, Corone. They got three Oscars out of it. It 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 paid off somehow. Not the big one, but um, also again, Olivia Coleman. Fuck yeah, I, that was the, that was the moment of the night. That really. Aside was. from like Spike Lee jumping on Samuel L uh that was amazing and to kind of like close off i just want to give a shout out to the um the new york times daily podcast they did an episode um for the new york times i'm michael Barbaro. uh he did an episode with wesley morris um all about green book and what that means and what that win means so if you want to you know chew on like a a big meaty 30 minute episode of that podcast i really recommend you listeners check that out it is fantastic morris does an amazing job of breaking down the history behind like what why the academy academy picks movies like this to win and like what that means in the context of of the world and the country right now so we're not going to really dive into all that all i can tell you is that green book is bullshit and it's a fucking Sad, sad time to to be the best, the reigning best picture. But
1: and it turns out if you we show, won't labor if you over teach, it. A, if you like fried chicken more than a black man, <laughs> then you are more black than that black man. <laughs> that's what the lesson that I learned.
0: All right, well, that's the Oscars. Uh, good riddance till next year. Let's move on to our ketchup corner. Drew, you wanna you wanna get us started?
2: Uh, uh well, we saw uh car seat headrest live. Yeah, oh, um, that was last week. all of us. Yeah, met up with met met up with the little groupie group. It was like we were young again. Yeah, rock shows. You man. know, we're we're wizened. We're twenty three. Yeah, we're we have a podcast. Too, yeah, um, my back, my lumbar is just destroyed at this yeah, point. It was a short show, and it was arduous to endure. Yeah, but still incredibly uh, fun. So the opener was a band called Naked Giants, who I I listened to a lot of their music beforehand, and I could tell that they would be better live than they were in recording. They're just one of those bands. Uh, in recording, they kind of can't tell. They, I don't think they can figure out if they want to be an indie band or a rock band or like a garage rock band. Like, there's they're stuck somewhere in between those. Uh, however, I really like them. Uh, their guitarist is—he's one of the best guitarists I've seen live. Like, full stop. Like he was—he was doing some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Once they're done, they came out with Car Seat and all three members of Naked Giants were just members of Car Seat yeah. for the duration of the performance.
1: Yeah, no, it was really, really cool. And we got to listen to two new Car Seat songs, um, Can't Cool Me Down and Weightlifters, which hopefully we'll be hearing those on album soon. I really like the first song, the opener, Can't Cool Me Down. And the fact that they played America Never Been off of uh, um, How to Leave This Town. Uh, like super before uh they ever got signed to a major label i thought that was really cool to see that um other highlights i mean bodies of course live just a fucking dance party the encore of beach life and death was yeah really i just wanted that to go on for like another like 45 minutes
0: my uh my biggest takeaway is that i i um i well we saw them what two years ago now yeah yeah. i think that set was a little better even though it was like kind of weird seeing them at a festival in the daytime um but this time around i thought that i don't know i could kind of tell that they were like tired of being on the road a little bit you could see the wear of having to play these like shows day after day well i
1: mean this is the second leg of their tour they've been on tour for like six months That's i think intense, at this point, like it, it, it is exhausting i mean and they still put on a great show great but show. I'm,
0: I'm just saying that like a couple of songs were a little shaky i could tell that they were it, it was just rough you know to be doing this like over and over and over
1: i uh I just thought that I was hypnotized by Will's dance moves while yeah. I was up there. <laughs> and <laughs> the parachute way that he, his parachute sweatpants. His pants were amazing. <laughs> his parachute, he was bringing back the MC Hammer look mm. with these black parachute sweatpants that uh, crossover things. And the way that he moves like a, a skeleton lesbian woman is yeah. just I magnetic. I felt seen. <laughs> he, you know? he moves
2: his ass, but he has no ass. <laughs> he
1: tries yeah. to move How it. does he do
2: it? He, yeah, it was great. I had a great time. Uh the performance itself it was it was like really really great but it wasn't like top like you know five shows i've ever seen anything like that but man it was it was so much fun though yeah it was it they, was so they much they killed fun. it they yeah. killed it um so yeah carsi Hunter bought a shirt you bought, bought two shirts cool. i bought two shirts i bought a hat two online two of the same shirts oh nice i didn't want to stand at the merch booth for an hour so i just went <laughs> the on
0: funniest it. thing was uh some people next to me uh they had the Uh, twin fantasy vinyl Mm. and during one of the new songs they were like looking through the track
2: list of the vinyl (laughs) like is this on the album i don't do i recognize this (laughs) (laughs) oh so i i gotta give a little warning to concert goers it's been the past year or two in the viral age it's been a great couple of years for people uh who come on stage and play the drums or the guitar for Mm -hmm. a song people are reaching now there was someone with a sign that said like can i play drums for bodies or whatever oh no we can't do it at every concert people that that would no it's it's a it's a rarity it's a rare event if you really go to every concert and you're like hey i learned the drums for this yeah. song you're you're thirsty you're yeah. you're too, you're too thirsty. thirsty i don't care if you're like a kid it's usually like a young person mm-hmm. when i saw the killers a kid went on and did it and it was it was a blast but like the second time you what see it live play? He played for reasons unknown. He wasn't on even on what on drums. On drums, he oh, wasn't shit. even good. Like he was off tempo, but it was just really fun. Like drums the... is risky to bring an audience member on. Well, yeah. yeah, but like this kid had like his whole extended family wearing T shirts that said like hashtag bring Juan on stage or whatever. Oh, no. Like it was yeah. So like I guess they did the most, so he did it, and it was really fun. But. I saw the sign the second time, and I was like, I don't want this to be a thing. I don't, I don't want every concert to be a little make-a-wish experience for some kid. Like, I mean, they did bring on that girl for Cowbell. Yeah, she played the Cowbell. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that's Do fine. That. Play hit, the tam-
1: a, hit a goddamn tower. Sh- yeah,
2: shake a tambourine when he sings, you sing harmonies. There you go. Whatever. Hell yeah. But listen, guys, watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so we can move on. <laughs> but So last Fucking night, watch it. Last night, John Mulaney
0: hosted SNL for the second time. And I think this is one of the best episodes of SNL in a very long time. I mean, obviously, we don't watch SNL, like, week to week, full episodes. But from what I've seen in clips and, and YouTube videos and all this, it it uh, it is miles above anything that SNL has recently put out.
1: Well, I've been trying to watch more SNL entire episode just to kind of – because I feel like that's honestly part of SNL. Like, it, I don't want to say it's the – the the fun of snl but you kind of have to watch where they falter in order to more appreciate the really good sketches the, that they the come flow up with of the whole yeah show. exactly um so i watched uh last week's episode with um um don hasley Hays- Cheet- cheetle or yeah with cheetle okay um H- halsey H- halsey Hays- Hays- what <laughs> hail caesar <laughs> um and Don i thought that that was a really good episode it had some really good uh it had a good uh family feud bit of the oscar nominees mm-hmm. a good uh baking show bit but this really is like one of my favorite episodes since the heyday of seth meyers and um bill hater and john mulaney Fred and all Armisen. those people on the cast um it i don't was, think there was a single like bad sketch it was the last thing. the
0: the
2: best episode since the last time mulaney hosted yeah <laughs>
0: which was like been. last year
2: yeah it, it went really well uh he is I, we were talking about it he's made a, a big leap the last year the last probably two years yeah he's becoming a household name and it's great i mean i'm here for it he's incredibly talented he did his monologue like they do with most stand-ups they let him cook for about yeah, it was 10 like, minutes yeah it was like 10 minutes um and it was all good stand-up i'm sure it's gonna make most of it will be in a special that's usually how it goes with snl monologues uh yeah, he did great. The opening sketch was easily the best. Not the cold open. Of the cold course. open they brought back Ben Stiller.
1: Cold as Michael open wasn't Cohen. bad actually. No, no, was, no, no, Alec Baldwin. It was which is better great. than a lot of the other newer political stuff has been. Just because it had Michael Cohen in it, but it was mostly about like the actual cast members of SNL doing their uh, impersonations. Yeah, Bill Hader. And Bill Hader, Hader. Oh, and Bill Hader so was good. great. But <laughs> Bill
0: Hader's shining moment was in the sketch. What's
2: that name?
1: So. What's that
0: name?
2: little i'm a i'm a bit of a comedy nerd i'm a i'm a dork i watch snl the biggest (laughs) comedy show uh they did what's that name probably four years ago with uh bill hosting it and it went great but it was not like this it was not dark like this um it was just it was a lot more of like a standard sketch tina fey was or paul rudd was hosting and it was just like uh, this is your doorman what's his name which is, a, it's a funny bit. Yep. It's a funny bit to be like, oh, we all know the names of these stupid celebrities, but we don't know the names of people very close to us. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one did great. This one was my favorite sketch in a long time. It was, it was <laughs> truly, so good. it was dark. Bill is getting Will Ferrell laughs on, yeah. on stage. Like, Mulaney, is, he did fine, but they, he they mostly make him a straight man because he isn't an actor, like right. a full on actor. Bill was like he was doing Will Farrell shit. He was going way over the top. He was going like hundred and fifty percent.
1: This made me want to see Bill Hader I mean, I hope that this doesn't happen to his career, but it made me want to him to play like a schlocky villain that just goes like way over the top because that's the vibes that you get from him is just somebody who's just like pure like yeah. evil, like like comic booky evil. I love how I loved, I how, I loved how uh
0: just the reaction shots of bill like they were all great
2: but also how he was like directing the cameraman to like pull in close yeah, exactly. And, like... exactly yeah they they added wrinkles to it that were like amazing like like when bill kept on stopping He'd be like wait wait no wait. no 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 all cameras on on that yeah. guy <laughs> Wh- what do you mean by that why is it worse like that that was all like genius stuff like it was it was quality writing it worked uh f- from beginning to end great sketch the rest of them weren't up to that standard i loved the bodega
1: sketch yeah the bodega sketch was it was the new uh diner lobster yeah lobster diners and
0: it's what you said drew uh about how the best sketches aren't the topical ones they're the ones that like take a concept and then it you know turn it into something unexpected but this one did it like three times in
2: the same sketch Yeah they went like, I like also, It was balls out it, yeah. was,
1: it was amazing Because I don't know if you guys Have ever been to a bodega But they nail the vibe Of what a bodega is yeah. About how there's just like A million different things Oompa And none Loompas. of them Goes together And they, There's like Random stuff That's in like Korean And you're like Why do I have to buy Kit Kats there From Korea Why can't I just get Like American <laughs> I thought that that one was great. Even, like, the sketches that were, like, the slower ones, like the uh, classic movie sketch with... um him and uh kate mckinnon mm, i thought that that, that was, was still good. that was still really good
0: mckinnon is so fucking mckinnon is crazy. too good for snl <laughs> she, she's,
1: she's probably nuts. gonna leave soon
2: she is yeah i mean she's doing uh like straight kristen week like style sketches where mm-hmm. like it's not even about the host it's they're written for her yeah you know like that that whole Just thing was whack. that whole thing was a mckinnon acting real sketch yeah, <laughs> yeah. um uh, yeah, like, obviously, I, I'm still not a big fan of their topical stuff. The cold open wasn't bad, but they're so we, it, we're we in a really divisive time and they're trying. I get that they're trying not to go full one side, even though they are. They've always been like a liberal show. Yeah. But like you can tell they feel the need to be like, oh, let's poke fun at the Democrats, too. And it just uh, it's not as funny. Like normal sketch comedy is funny funnier it just is like it
0: was it was funnier funnier instead of having alec baldwin come on as trump it was funnier just to show clips of Trump like during weekend update. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Had- yeah. That was great. <laughs> the Of his like conservative union speech they gave where he talked for two and a half hours and it's just literal nonsense <laughs> that you're listening to. And you're like, oh, fuck, this is real life. Yeah. This is our better. actual president. That, that's better than
0: <laughs> doing a fucking nutcase. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh,
2: likewise, the Shark Tank sketch. It was I thought it was pretty funny, but it didn't land like the other ones did. Yeah. Uh, Partially because uh, a lot of the references, I think, were not uh, general populace.
1: Written. Well, that uh, leads to another thing. One of my, the biggest losers from SNL was Jesse Smollett, who, um, mm. for those of you who don't know, he was on... He's one of oh, the stars the Empire of Empire. <laughs> um, he made up a story about how he was, uh, like beaten almost to death by some conservative people wearing, like, MAGA hats, and he got, like, the shit kicked out of him, and they were sending him death threats and all this kind of stuff. The police looked into it. Turns out these are people who were extras on Empire that he hired to come and pay him so that he could get publicity as, like, this gay, black, uh, like icon yeah oh well, yeah he wanted out. he wanted more and now to he's to be like yeah. facing felony charges for making i mean what a f- fucking a shit false like claim. there are actual
2: hate crimes well, no. <laughs> that happened and what
1: makes me so angry about this story is like it's the same kind of thing where if one person uh like for example if one woman claims that a man uh raped her or sexually mo- whatever if one if she makes up a story that discredits everybody else the 99.99% of people who that actually happens yeah to. exactly and uh, that's what people are going to cling on to from this story just yeah like, the worst yeah, part is out, they, they grab onto that, that yeah it turns out that uh conservatives are actually like nice people when they don't they don't hurt anybody yeah yet. he i mean
2: he's like uh cra- crazy like his story was hilarious it's honestly it was really funny like he In his police report, he said the muggers walked up. They were wearing ski masks with MAGA hats on top of the ski masks. (laughs) And they said, hey, you're Jussie Smollett from Empire. (laughs) We don't like you. (laughs) That's all like really like dumb guy stuff. Like it's like stupid. Obviously, this guy is not a writer because that's not. Yeah, he he should have gotten the Empire writing staff to help him.
1: Um anyway they,
0: they dug on
2: him twice during
0: yeah. the show.
1: Um also a loser, our boy Kyle, unfortunately. Hey he he, really we get. got to see
0: him as an oompa loompa.
1: Yeah, he didn't and he was uh the representative his best moment was in the cold open. Yeah, like, yeah. he was great. Liar Liar. From- <laughs> it's like this illiterate Republican well Yeah, from Kyle Arizona. Kyle's
2: just really good at like stuttering. Yeah. He, he's so good at it. He's good at like not saying shit right. Um, <laughs> which is like low comedy, but he does it like genius. Yeah. Um yeah, it was a solid up. Ep- um oh uh two more things I
0: wanted to shout out. The older bit the the uh the toilet launcher. Oh yeah, the toilet
1: launcher. That was that reminded me of something like that. Sandberg would write like way back in. The well, day. yeah,
0: well, yeah, because that's that's what I was about to say. It's like an older sketch yeah. that they brought back. I yeah, I it was called like a one. Simon Rich one. You
2: remember I said it? Yeah, he wrote it with Merica and Simon because those were he wrote everything with them. Uh, and yeah, that he they got it back on air because they don't really do commercial parodies like that anymore. Like just like absurd, yeah. stupid ones. Um, and it it really it yeah. was still funny. It yeah. was like really appalling almost <laughs> yeah. like it was that's why it probably didn't make air it was really really fucked up old people being launched with
0: their fucking <laughs> pants down uh, and the other thing was mckinnon and ad bryant
2: with the meat oh um, yeah that was
1: really update. and they brought actual raw meat out on stage <laughs> oh yeah and it was stinky um that was <laughs> i so was funny. i was kind of hoping that we were gonna get a uh a little bit more mulaney bill hater combo like maybe yeah. something on weekend update but we yeah not get twitter, that but... on
0: twitter uh like stefan was trending at one point
1: or something yeah but stefan thought... was never on there yeah. unfortunately
0: um all right still great
2: episode can't wait for
0: Mulaney oh, to yeah. host again uh
2: quick shout out to meg Wright on twitter she's a writer for the vulture um and she is like starting this uh, like storm of she she's like basically saying you know I don't think that Mulaney wrote for SNL because at this point people won't shut up about that. and Mulaney's like, been posting a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's in on it because like it's it is annoying at this point. People are like you know actually he wrote Stefan. Yeah. Like <laughs> we we know we it's okay. We can stop. Mulaney's we can shut up. Like I don't know if you guys knew, but I was a writer on SNL. Yeah. yeah. So now yeah. So Meg writes like people are legit buying it. They're like wait no he is. What are you talking about? She's like no like prove it. You can prove that he was a writer on SNL. He was not. It's it's very funny. Uh, okay,
1: let's move on. Hunter. What do you got to catch up on? Um, what have you been catching So on? I'm just, I had like a little bit of a celebration that I don't have to watch another movie from 2018. Instead, I can actually watch good movies that are from a different year. So I decided that I might do a little bit of a Paul Thomas Anderson watch through. Great. And I started with The Master, which I had never seen before. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. So go and watch The Master. Um, this movie is Fucking incredible! It is wild, bonkers. You can understand, like, because at first I was watching, I was like, "How did nobody win for these roles?" And then the move, the plot progresses, and you're like. Oh, okay, this movie is way too fucking weird for people. I can see why they yeah. didn't win, but I mean, it's this is my favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. Um, yeah, it's, Like, of anything. He is yeah. so magnetic. There's a point at the end of the movie where he starts singing to Joaquin Phoenix, and I just started, like, crying uncontrollably because he is one of the best <sighs> actors R. of our P. time.
2: Um, yeah, he... It's it's very sad. This was, like, a like, couple of years before he died, I think, and he's acting with Joaquin Phoenix, who's my favorite actor right now. Uh, This is one of my favorites of all time. Like, yeah. it, it's in my top ten of all time. It's an absolute stunner of a movie. It's so wild. Like, yeah.
1: the, and it really puts you in the perspective of Joaquin, of this dude who, like, literally, like, makes his own fucking, like, alcoholic drinks out of, like, bleach and, like... Just like straight rubbing alcohol and fruit that he concocts together. It's like literally he's just poisoning himself. But there's a scene where he's like at a dinner party and stuff, and you just start seeing all the women just walking around naked because it really puts you in perspective this dude who's like fucking crazy and also just like wildly horny all the time. Yeah. It is. I love. This movie so much yeah. The whole cast is amazing Remy Malik, Like I said uh, earlier It makes a good guest appearance As like one of the sons Of Philip Seymour Hoffman Jesse Plemons As Philip Seymour Hoffman's son Is perfect casting Yeah Shout out to that casting agent Because this is before Jesse Plemons did anything This is before his Breaking Appearance Bad. on Breaking Bad Or anything yeah. like that But perfect casting It, it might have
0: been around That same time Because it's This movie's 2012 so. Yeah
1: but it probably Started shooting in 2010 Which okay. would have been Pre-Breaking yeah. Bad um. Yeah, Amy Adams was in here. She was really good. I just. Oh, I wish that this movie would have gotten more love because this. It's hard to top. There will be blood, but this is kind of like right up there in the top top tier. Of also, PTAs. Johnny Greenwood with the music. Yeah, Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. This was this one of his first scores that he did. I mean, I know that he did um a little bit earlier stuff. No, well, he, he did there. He did
0: there will be blood. Oh, he I think there that might have be been the first okay. one um yeah i mean i really want to revisit this movie i I love i love films yeah i think it's it's a tremendous achievement and i it's been talked about a lot but the 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 allegory to l ron hubbard and uh
1: scientology is like it's so layered and so deep. Well, I thought that this was going to become straight up an L. Ron Hubbard movie, but it's not. It's it's just pure like it's basically the same story, but just not quite. But his way of like hypnosis, which he calls um um, uh, kind of like breaking through, mm-hmm. almost discovering going clear, your, yeah. essentially, yeah. That's, just that's like that's
2: what the, the Scientologists use. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to talk about your next thing you want to talk about.
1: Um, so I started watching the new season of High Maintenance. Have you guys Um, watched any of the new season? I haven't
2: seen it, but I wanted to say really quick, I forgot this on my list last year. I thought the the last season had come out in 2017, so I, I completely left it out. And when I reconfigure my list, I realize that it's number two for me. Oh wow, this show is so good. I cannot get enough. I like, rewatched the whole show in the past like month. Yeah, I, I, it's addicting.
1: It's so so good, and I really I love season two and the way they handled the election talk in that season. The was, like, opening genius. episode of season two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but just throughout the show, it's a h- difficult show to talk about because every episode were with completely new characters yeah. and. Uh, it, it, they actually just did an interview on the watch podcast with um, Chris Ryan yep. yeah um uh, Katia and, and Katia and,
2: Blickfield and Ben Sinclair
1: yeah there yeah. we go off, I was the, trying to look off the, the fucking name. dome
2: folks yeah. catch me on WNSC <laughs> <laughs> Wednesdays
1: at 3 um no, I really like what they have going on in this new season. It seems like they are... I mean, of course, we still have episode to episode. You never really know what you're going to get into, but there is a little bit more of a love story kind of that's introduced mm-hmm. in the first... Uh, like It'll show up in the first episode and then comes back around like episode four uh, that we start to get stuff. We see some characters that we've seen before, but what I love about the show is that you never know what you're getting from episode to episode. This could be like... Uh, like, very like heartbreaking, touching episode, like the first episode of the season. Or it could be like, uh, I believe it's episode two, which is straight up like an episode of Atlanta where it's about a guy who just trying to get like free shit on Craigslist oh, and yeah. then goes and discovers, <laughs> and there's like blood all over this couch. It's so. Wild that you just never know what you're getting into with the show. It's the best show on TV that no one is talking about.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to kind of recommend to people, you know, because there's no, there's barely a through line. The only through line is like the guy and weed there's always weed there's always someone smoking and
2: i've said before and i think that cheapens the show to a lot of people i think they're like yeah that's the like the pot show yeah and it's It's not about it's not but they get weed like way more correct than any show i've ever seen Mm -hmm. uh in terms of like how it makes you act uh like it's not you know it's not like they start like tripping when they're smoking like yeah. they don't start seeing like halluc- you know like oh dude i was tripping and i saw fucking like bilbo baggins like you know that's what a lot of movies do it's like yeah tripping is acid or you know weed is weed is fucking lsd there's the the one episode you just shouted out with the the guy on craigslist mm-hmm. when
0: he
1: gets high he just like falls asleep <laughs>
0: Yeah. And the guy has to wake him up. He's like, "Hey He's just man. like, "Hey,
1: I don't think you I'm not trying to take away from my own business, but I don't think that you should smoke weed." And <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Some people just shouldn't smoke weed cuz they'd have bad reactions yeah. um, to it. That's fine.
0: One one thing about this show though is if you're going to watch um be mindful of who you're watching it with sometimes
2: because there is some graphic sex oh, and nudity. Oh yeah. Maybe- <laughs> Very, very often, yeah. It's very don't watch this with your parents. This yeah. is okay. an extremely like they make a point to cast LGBTQ actors and and like tell their stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that I've heard from other podcasts is people who live in like New York and LA and they're like around these like artsy type like over the top people can't watch the show because they <laughs> actively try to avoid these people every day <laughs>
1: in real life. <laughs> well, I mean, that was what was really interesting about the uh, podcast between them is that like now they like Ben Sinclair was talking about. He loves New York cuz sometimes he'll just like to like get on the subway and then just people watch. And mm. like he used to always do this normally, like but work. now it's like it's work. It's, it's working for him. He's doing yeah, he's doing like on the job research just everyday looking around yeah. and just kind of looking at a person and thinking about like what is their backstory and now like writing the character in their head and then in reality in the show it might just be like you see this character and you see him get like one text message or something like that. And then just like a look on his face and then it moves on to the next person. I mean,
0: the... the, But they
1: think about every, almost every character that they even include in the frames of the show. The
0: most impressive thing is that you can, the show essentially like resets itself every 10 minutes. Like you walk out of the room if you're not paying attention and by the time you come back, it's a completely different story. But the, the writing and the performances are so damn good that like you're spending so little time with these characters, but they're so well realized that you are invested in their stories and you care about
2: whatever struggles they're Mm.
0: undergoing
2: in the very short amount of time that you're you're watching. I I think I've said this before also, but Katya was a casting agent for 30 Rock, the show. Okay, Mm. and that's why, yeah. Well, and she, yeah, so the people she knows are so talented, but they're in New York, so they're not like trying to be primarily television people usually. Like they're theater actors. So we haven't seen them and they're better than anyone we see like they're so so good it's this untapped little vein um they get them to come on for like a day yeah and you see you see a lot of people that you'll start noticing like people in season one are starting to they're in la now like they're starting to get roles and it's it's lovely to see uh one i forget oh she's the one uh, like the gay guy's toxic female friend who's like a total asshole you know Mm. um She's the new star of the other two, which we're going to talk about at some point because I I saw the pilot. It's an amazing show.
0: The other two, yeah, it's, I think I've heard. Some it's, people the, talk the, well, about it's the it's the new
2: see. Comedy Central show from the former head writers of SNL, um, oh. and it's it's truly awesome. So you're gonna if you watch High Maintenance, it's it's like it's like a little secret. Like you get to see people before they blow up. Yeah, cool. All right, well, that's High Maintenance on
0: HBO. Speaking of HBO, I've been watching two HBO things that I would like to talk about. Um, have any of you seen True Detective?
1: I watched the first episode. It was great. I have not had Shane okay. How watch more
0: spoilery it. should I get with my thoughts? Do you care at all about. Light. Very light. Okay, so you, you, plan, you plan on. Yes, I'm planning on okay. watching the show. So I, I mean, I love Mahershala. I won't spoil it too much. All I'll say is that the finale left me a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, it was tremendous all up until that point. Uh, but the very last episode, it, it didn't quite tie things up as good as I would as I would have wanted. But now that I've been kind of sitting on it and thinking about it, it it kind of makes sense what Pizzolatto was trying to do and sort of the larger story that he was trying to tell. Um, I just personally, I wanted a, something wanted a little some something, something a little different. I but, mean, p- people aren't happy. Well, yeah, but it's still. I would honestly be quite supportive of the take that it's better than season 1. Whoa, uh, there wow, there is that take going around because ultimately season 1 was a lot of like
2: existential half
1: of the season is just Matthew McConaughey in a room just poking holes through pieces well, of paper. Well, exactly. <laughs> to show time. The
2: the thing is uh I was talking with you about how black mirror is the best college show yeah, to like, smoke, smoke and be like bro like we're, we're a computer dude yeah uh this show is an, the season one is a college show yeah it's like very like yeah dude i agree with flat Kanahe. circles man yeah i mean
0: carrie carrie fukunaga's direction is amazing uh but the problem with that is with that season is that pizzolato didn't like really focus as much on the mystery as much as just like creating this like eerie ambiance of like the swamp of louisiana mm. and like the horrors that lie beneath but like the actual case that was being investigated almost became like an afterthought and really the only takeaway from that season was how good mcconaughey and harrelson were and all of the great existential dialogue that came from their conversations. yeah i,
2: I think that uh it's not quite as good as we remember it being yeah I think you're right like- uh
0: but this season uh, Pizzolatto was able to like really dig into a, a mystery that week after week I was very invested in, and the performances are amazing because it's the story that spans like three and a half decades. Mm.
1: And yeah, we have three different versions of Mahershala. <laughs>
0: yeah, and the makeup on these guys is so good. You get a sense of like the younger guy, the middle aged guy, and then the old man, and it you. It's obviously the same guy, but it's three distinct timelines, three dis- distinct performances. Marshall is amazing, uh, but everyone else is great. I mean, we get Scoot McNary, full unhinged mode. There's one episode where he goes nuts. He goes fucking nuts, and I was loving every second of it. And then Steven Dorff as the partner is amazing like this is one of the best characters on tv this year he's so damn good like you really connect with this guy you see that he is both a great cop a great detective but also Mahershala Ali's character's closest friend and like this bond between these two guys uh is really well done because there's this layer of like fighting like infighting between them between the partnership but you tell you can tell that they actually like care about each other and love each other but they express that love through like a little bit of of uh, friction and anger mm. uh so it, but it's all in the performances like when they deliver a certain line it's not just one note it's not just anger it's also like they're worried and they care and there, there's like a brotherly bond there's some brotherly love there Uh, So that whole aspect of the show of seeing these two guys, the relationship between them, how it grows and evolves and how the case, this case of these missing kids and this this dead boy and uh, missing girl, how it starts to sort of shape the course of their lives and all the people around them. I'm into it. Uh, So it's only eight episodes. It's not a huge commitment. The ending was a little bit of a disappointment, but I I don't think it was a waste of time. I don't uh, regret it at all.
1: Yeah, definitely. I really want to check it out. We joked about during the Oscar party about with I won, and, and then just like got on stage and was like, hey, turn this broadcast off right now. Go over to HBO. Yeah. Watch the season finale of True Detective. Yeah. I,
0: I, if you if you ever get around to watching the whole thing anytime soon, I'm curious to hear what you think of the uh, of the finale, Hunter, yeah. because right. I've I've heard a lot of takes, a lot of interpretations as to like what it all means. And I can totally see why people hate it and my initial reaction was to be very against it but Warming i can i it. can
1: kind of warm up to it depending Little bit of on the what the ending of twin peaks the return kind of vibes uh
0: yeah honestly just yeah kind
1: of just more confusion than yeah, uh, yeah. more doors not open as masterfully up than... done Pizzolato <laughs> okay. is
0: not quite david he's not lynch. he's no lynch yeah. how dare you <laughs> yeah. uh okay another quick uh hbo thing Crashing, Mm. season three.
1: Mm. Uh, I see an ad for this every time I put on an episode of High Maintenance. Yeah, yeah, like
0: we've said, it's not essential viewing. Uh, But I've been watching every episode this season, and I'm really digging it. I'm Mm. really digging Pete's performance. I'm really digging this new girl that he's with, Kitty. Uh, And it's a tough show to introduce... Um, conflict into because everything's (laughs) about like just pete being a comedian there's one episode uh that really stood out this season where they explore this kind of dying uh archetype of comedian kind Mm -hmm. of like the louis ck's Mm -hmm. of the world and like this this type of comedy that's like very like misogynistic and gross and and yeah Yeah. just kind of just like it's not okay yeah, club anymore. comics
2: are like intentionally shitty because they're pushing the boundaries yeah and, yeah, I and I found, that is kind of dying
0: i found that episode very very well done and like really digging into like what it's like for one of these guys to truly reckon with the fact that their type of comedy that they've d- dedicated their career to just doesn't fly anymore it just doesn't
2: work yeah. anymore well the thing is it it still works in comedy clubs like if you go it di- like even if like i even if you have your arms folded when you go in and you're like they better not say anything this fucked up e- even then if you go into a comedy club and it's like a good club yeah. like the cellar i mean you're going to die you're going to laugh so hard but louis louis is getting shows again I, well yeah that's the thing is there is a now we know the boundary unless people are comfortable with this and the bigger issue is that like it used to not end at the clubs for these guys you know what i mean like right now yeah now their comedy has to be contained in these like like quote you know safe spaces ironically where they're allowed to be shitty because if if they were to have a special and it were on netflix and you put it on you'd be like oh i'm not in the mood to hear about like why you know black people be (laughs) like this and white people be like this you know it only works when you're like in the environment, you have a drink
0: in your hand. You there's a whole night built around it. It, it depends on the environment, but that episode in particular, what you just said, it it, it ties exactly back to this one moment where uh, the the whole episode is set in New Jersey. They go out of town to do this. Uh, it's the weirdest place. It's it's basically like a Beef O'Brady's comedy thing, like a Dave and Buster's, but what? for comedy. It's yeah. so it's like a corporate. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. And they do the set there, and the guy, the, the the shitty comic, he's like, oh, dude, whenever we go here, we, like, sleep with the waitresses. We, like, bring them back to the condo, and we fuck them. And so he's trying to, like, hit on the waitress that's serving them at the place, and she is not having any of it. And he just feels like he is entitled to fuck this waitress because it's part of the whole incel? comedy thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's exactly an incel type thing, but it's just like No incels never fuck. Yeah, it's it's he, this, He's trying to though. It's this scenario where like do. he is used to this type of comedy world that is is just not around anymore because times are changing and he and this waitress has to like physically like push him back to be like, yo, fuck you. Like stop coming on to me. Yeah. Uh so I thought that was a standout episode. And now the the later episodes are getting a little bit more into like the conflict between this new relationship that pete is in because it's like it's all happening very fast he introduced her to his parents um by the way we get to see his parents not his real parents but like actors portraying the parents and it's uh it was very cringy very very cringy some some tough awkward stuff to get through Mm. um so if if you're a fan of pete if you're a fan of crashing it's more of the same it's more of some good
2: stuff he's yeah he's banging hot chicks
0: yeah uh it's he's still hideous it's it's solid it's not you know again it's not essential but i am i am enjoying it listen
2: i am like we are we are a uh basically like a what's it called we're like a group that people discriminate against pete holmes fans like you're you're not allowed to be this anymore um and he wears a fedora and i a lot i, I oh, get it no. I, I can't listen. i'm out i'm, I'm out <laughs> yeah now. he looks awful he's he's fr- he's punchable yes he's very i used yeah. to love his pod but eventually you you're like i'm done with it yeah you eventually you're like too much pete yeah he's too much uh i love his stand-up however i think that he's immensely talented and i think he has a solid show uh i it's it's just tricky because he is so non-essential yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's quite disposable, but
0: I do enjoy it. Um, another thing that could be argued, whether or not it's disposable, I don't think it is. Documentary Now. Wait, I, you know, m- we need to wait on this. I, I want to wait. I don't want to...
1: Yeah, I want to... I need to actually watch this show. I know the first two episodes of the uh, of the season three... Well, the, is the first episode is
0: a two-parter, yeah. so there's technically three if you count. Okay. The, yeah. So the first episode the two-parter is a parody of wild wild country starring oh, owen wilson oh man as rosh what <laughs> yeah.
1: oh man also I'm michael so keaton in.
0: is in there <laughs> see this, this is the thing so that I, good this is the thing that i want to talk about in this new season um bill and fred are not main players because bill's been making barry mm. so bill's like not in it and fred hasn't shown up yet mm. so they're like at a point where they're like okay so do we bring in unknowns or do we try to
2: get some famous friends to come in and fill in these yeah. shoes that makes sense though because the all most of the heavy lifting is done by these two directors who make it these british dudes yeah uh, they used to work on snl and if you know if you ask bill or fred about it they'll be like yeah no it's all them like they do so much of the work oh dude this newest episode
0: it's john Mullaney making fun of steven sondheim uh making fun of uh this the, like a broadway original cast recording for company it is some of the funniest shit i've seen in a long time like it not only is a pitch perfect parody but you have like mulaney in full broadway boy mode like <laughs> going just, off and the music perfect casting he wrote like like a, basically, a whole Broadway show worth of music for a 22-minute episode of television. Mm. It's unreal. Like, I cannot recommend this show enough. Uh, seasons one and two are on Netflix right now. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like you have to watch them because every episode is a different parody of a different documentary uh so you can kind of jump around there are some ones that are
1: kind of i mean there's it's hit and miss i do think that there are definitely some episodes that are not as strong as others namely i get what they were trying to do with the eagles two-part episode but that episode is as much of a a trudge to get through as the actual eagles documentary Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) yeah well that's the thing is like a lot of times what they're doing is they're
2: like faithfully recreating These documentaries. Yeah, they're not going. They're not doing jokes a lot of the time.
1: Even if, yeah, I mean, even wherever they miss and it's not funny, you can still, like, perfectly admire the craft of what they're doing in every episode.
2: Down
0: to, like, the film grain and the vignette around the sides of the screen and the zooms, like, just so precise with how they're emulating it's almost like when when they interview seth myers who's one of the producers and writers on this when he talks about the show he almost like wants to stray away from calling it a parody because they put so much love into replicating these documentaries that it's like they're not trying to like really really make fun of
1: them yeah Yeah, like
2: we're like you but
1: yeah exactly that's what the word parody in itself like kind of diminishes the quality so, yeah, if, if you guys
0: want to uh, do a little bit of, a, of an extended segment yeah, on, we, on we the we got to wait on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been rewatching a little bit of the older seasons on Netflix, and uh, it's so good. It's yeah, so good. Quality. So damn good. Um, all right, well, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we are going to train a dragon. So, we'll be right back. Hey, I heard you know some
2: inside scoop into Rocky Balboa. This is this is big. You're gonna need to splice in the the theme song to serial here. The this is like investigative journalism that I've been doing. This is I'm not joking. I'm on Reddit a, a few days ago. I it's one of those classic threads of like, hey, what celebrity is not as cool as they seem? Which is like people might as well just be lying in those, you don't know. Uh, the only way you know is if, like, everyone else comments, like, yeah, I had the same experience. So buried really deep in this thread is someone's, like, well, I haven't met him, but I bet Sly Stallone sucks because he gets kicked out of every hotel he's ever been in for pooping in the shower. And and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. This is exactly the news I need to be getting. Why is no one talking about this? Uh, and I'm like, well, because it, it's probably bullshit. That's probably why. So then I, I just... I. Read every comment in the thread The top one is like Yeah there was There was a big rumor Like it was pretty known In the 80s Everyone was like Oh yeah You know he likes poop But it was Everyone's like Yeah it's probably just a rumor though no, no, Nothing confirmed Then Someone else is like My uh, Friend uh, Managed a hotel in Maui And Every day Sly Stallone Would call up maintenance And say Hey uh, I need you to like Clear my drain It's clogged for some reason And it would be Human shit Every day until they kicked him out of the hotel. Uh, and I was like, well, okay, this is, this." is there, there are numbers racking up at this point of people confirming the story. Uh, and then this guy edits the comment. He's like, yeah, I can't confirm it. It's just like, I just know it to be true. But I found this article. And it's an article for an actual news outlet saying he is kicked out of uh, Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas for pooping in their showers. He, he poops <laughs> in all of these showers. He can't stop pooping what? in showers. <laughs> Why? So I end up finding out that he does have a poop fetish. I found a, there was a forum comment from a long time ago that has this exact same thing of he dated on the same subreddit. Um, No, it was on a different website. It oh, wasn't okay. even on Reddit. It, it was a strange in, message. It was like, board. it was like pre Reddit. Some people are saying the same shit about <laughs> Sly alone. Someone's like, uh, my friend was roommates with Padma Lakshmi who the host of top chef, who's awesome. Like she's great. Um, And she went on a date with him and she said, A, he had a tiny penis. uh, B, he was a douchebag. And C, after they fucked, he tried to get her to poop. (laughs) He, He has a rig over his bed that's like a glass ceiling above his bed and he makes them get on that and shit. And he lays on the bed and he watches them pooping. And then multiple people are like, oh, yeah, I heard about that rumor in the 90s. Like, that's like and, he's, and someone's like, yeah, yeah, no, Pamela Lakshmi, like it happened to her. And she said no, and she left because that's insane. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, that would just be kink shaming if it stopped there, if it was just that he does it in private. But he is bringing hotel maintenance into his fetish, yeah. essentially. because That's fucked. And then someone, someone brought up the fact that he used to clean up the zoo cages at the Central Park Zoo. That's that's like a part of his origin story, or maybe is it Rocky's origin story or his actual? <laughs> well, Rocky's from Philadelphia, oh, so it wouldn't no. be it's, New so York. So it is it is him. He literally used to clean the zoo cages. So either he developed a fetish there, or he came, oh. or he came in with it, and he
1: came in. Now he's forcing it upon animals. And he was like,
2: "Yeah, I think that elephant also came." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wait, it goes farther. It goes farther. <laughs> There's more. I. So I post this on a a discord server that I'm on, uh, with a bunch of people that I thought might be interested. Uh, and I post it and I'm like, why aren't more people talking about this? Like, it's not just one person saying this. There's new, there's a news outlet who has said it. And there are dozens of people corroborating the story. And this guy on the server, everyone's just like, oh yeah, yeah. This, this one guy's like, wait, are you serious right now? Like my friend knows about this his this guy's friend was at a a different hotel in maui that (laughs) he was a little kid he was 10 years old he's there with his dad he doesn't know who sly is and sly is staying at the hotel and this little kid's dad is so stoked he's like every day he's like rocky yeah so every day he's asking the staff like hey how's my man rocky doing and like the third or fourth day he asked the valet, like, hey, how's Rocky? And they're like, yeah, he got kicked out for shitting in the shower every day. <laughs> and this, this kid his whole life has told this story. And apparently it was a huge joke among this guy's friend group of like, oh, yeah, Rocky sh- poops. And they didn't know if it was true or not because it sounds too absurd yeah. to be true. And so I pulled up all these comments and all these sources and this guy ended up getting online like this guy was like, I got to get my friend online. And he told me the whole story of what happened. I like interviewed this guy because <laughs> this was like 3 a.m. and I was like, I was like, so oh tell my me,
1: God, you need to write I, an investigative journalism I, piece about.
2: This I'm going insane
1: <laughs> <laughs> about Sly Stool- but you're, and pooping. You,
2: you're on to the truth. Exactly. So
1: do you think I just have so many questions. <laughs> so, I have Okay, well listen. Can we just cancel how to train your dragon <laughs> and just talk about this for a while? Does he poop in his own shower at home? And if so, what is the plumbing like well, in his own house? Here's
2: the thing. Uh well, because the person who brought up well, someone brought up the Padma Lakshmi story, and then another commenter under that was like, My like my uh uncle was a contractor in the nineties and he was his friend was contracted to make that glass bed thing and it has the rig has its own drain my guess is that it's not his own poop in these hotel showers he brings girls up like maybe hookers or whatever and he makes them poo and then they leave or whatever hmm. uh an- another thing backing that up is there is a book of, like the secret life of la hookers and there's a story in that book about references about Sliced stallone wanting them to poop yeah this Damn. goes straight to the top this goes straight up to obama no Dude,
1: this is <laughs> to this jeff is, bezos
2: ugh, what? this it's insane why is
1: nobody why is this not a bigger well, hollywood story is it because he's rocky and well people yeah don't want to have a negative association with fucking Rocky. exactly and just being into poop well
2: that hooker story uh the the prostitute in it said that like it, it was like a threat like she was not allowed to talk about her he would like fuck her life up jeez um He's notoriously like secretly an asshole. He's like one of those dudes who right. like. Is, he, I think he's a Republican. Well, just <laughs> back in the day. Is that' what
1: you called him. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you call assholes.
2: Back in the day, PR was a lot easier. Like back in the '90s, everyone thought Michael Jordan was a good guy. He's not. He's no, horrible. He's a, a terrible you person. Just slip
0: someone a briefcase full of cash. Yeah.
2: Like if in public you were nice, you were nice, and you could just do hush money for these hotel chains yeah. or whatever. And the hotels don't want to blow up his spot. Like it's bad press for the Four Seasons if the four seasons is like hey we kicked him out because he's shat the four seasons gains nothing from that you know what i mean like it's it's bad press for everybody involved yeah all these women obviously don't want to tell that story padma lakshmi doesn't want to go to the press and say that he tried to make me poo like no one has anything to gain from leaking this basically no Um, pun intended yeah (laughs) no pun intended but uh, because the thing is Sly does have good pr because uh, like a year or two ago he was accused of a couple of rapes fuck and they were in the news cycle for a day or two, and then they were gone. No one talks about it because Creed, he's still, he's still a profitable commodity. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you have like a high-level agent, they will hire someone to make stories go away. Well, if he's in Creed 3, then you
0: heard it here first that we bought a mic, and we will be back, and we will take him
1: down. We like This needs to be a piece. Drew, you need to write an article I, for somebody. You know I have a website. I don't know if you know that. You can write
2: it we, I'm, I'm shopping it. What
0: this are you is offering? The news. We can use the podcast to leverage ourselves to the New York Times. This is this, this is going to be the
1: clip that just gets us to go viral. Yeah. Is this? And I'd be like on the on the episode where we review how to train a dragon. <laughs> like movie. The, the deepest darkest secrets of Sliced Alone. Like if there is like a child at home listening to this for the first time is like. This I just. Thing? I'm never listening to another podcast it, again.
2: I would want. I would need to get someone that it happened to to come out about it because all of this is technically circumstantial. Yeah, it's Even, all. It's all yeah. like third party. We need of. pictures of the poop. We need DNA samples. Yeah. The, well, the thing is, with Bill Cosby, it was also mostly circumstantial, but it was like 80 women. So at that point, it's just. It is true. Like. And then the actual evidence came out after that.
1: This seems like there's enough people who know about it. It's just about getting somebody to actually speak out who this actually I'm, happened to. You should reach out to a uh, person from Top Chef. See if you to can Padma? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> reach yeah. out to Padma. Per- She's cool.
2: Listen, Sly, I'm coming for you. Yeah. you don't, you're not going to die... Be beloved, you're Sly gonna
1: still enemy of the podcast. Yeah, enemy number one. You're, Sorry, Oprah. Your life no longer enemy number one. Your
2: life is going to be a mudslide from now on. This is the me poo movement. I'm starting it today <laughs> on Pod. This will not end here. Yeah, this is just the beginning. I'm, this is just the beginning.
0: We'll, have, we'll have Harry on.
2: He'll try to defend him. <laughs> I'm I'm furious. A poop apologist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's because that's the other thing. If it comes out, everyone will just be like, "Oh man, I, I liked him." <laughs> But no, you don't get that yeah. slide. You you're gonna die alongside Bill Cosby in like shit Well, prison. there's,
0: I mean, there is a huge number to uh, <laughs> a huge number of uh, women or not women, but cleaners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that are out there that know exactly how terrible.
1: Yeah, it that's is who to you clean need to up go for. after. Sly because Stallone. like the celebrities aren't going to reach out or say anything like that but if you get like a cleaning lady yeah. who is well, first stand there
2: the other problem with this story is that like we're still in the middle of like finding out everyone's an actual rapist and so it's like less of a big deal than- exactly
0: it's like pooping
1: yeah rape, but you know what
2: <laughs> there are real journalists covering that this is my lane exactly the poop is my lane find
1: your lane and stick to it this yeah. is your new corner this is max bit- kebo has been replaced yes,
2: this is my streak <laughs> oh, God. i i'm not i'm not gonna drop this this is gonna be my life now all right well we'll we'll revisit anyway this uh, as you yeah uh, as you uncover yeah. Anyway, uh, DreamWorks came out with a <laughs> really uh, rollicking romp of yeah. fun. So yeah.
0: let's let's get into how you, how to train your dragon <laughs> after poop.
1: I can't even like, take, I had all these like takes and everything else and it all just seems so minuscule well, we, now. We have to you, move
2: you, on, but this is insane. And like I told my girlfriend and she was like, you sound crazy right now. You need to, you need to drop it. <laughs> and I was like, no. are you in on this shit? are you some spotlight shit right now you're just like
1: (laughs) they knew they knew knew and they said nothing
2: (laughs) yeah my own girlfriend knows damn all right podcasting at another level yeah all right well let's
0: flush it all down (laughs) yeah let's flush that you flush uh soundbite Yeah, something a little a little lighter and we're back with a review of how to train your dragon 3 the hidden world um so it's directed by the same guy who did the other two and
1: Dean wrote DeBloy. Wrote, DeBloy. wrote as DeBloy. well right um which by the way i don't know if you've looked through his imdb it is stacked like he's written some of the best and most iconic pixar disney movies of all time oh he's written pixar movies yeah well like he was a writer on beauty and the beast on aladdin oh shit on um he, I know him and the other guy who uh, co-wrote the How to Train Your Dragon movies. They made Lilo and Stitch. Ooh,
2: that's a banger! Like he, that's a classic. He's done banger. so
1: much like quality stuff that Lilo is... and
2: Stitch is actually very similar to How to Train Your Dragon.
1: It is. There's yeah. there's yeah, some similar there vibes are some similarities. Befriending the
2: creatures. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um. So I before we get started with uh, yeah, quick Hidden thoughts World, on
0: the other two.
1: Um. I just rewatched the first one and uh, the second one and um. Guys, I have a take for you guys. Uh-oh. I think that... Don't do it. I think Sly Stallone is pooping. <laughs> <laughs> I think that How to Train Your Dragon is one of the best trilogies in the modern era. Yeah? I it, They're I think, very consistent. And I think, I mean, it. this title did belong to Toy Story, but they're about to ruin it by having a fourth movie come out this year. I think that this is the best animated trilogy of all time. Yeah, Shrek doesn't count anymore.
2: Yeah, yep. Shrek the Third is trash.
1: And also, there's a fourth movie there, but like this yeah, is exactly. the final story for how to turn. Yeah, it a ended,
2: dragon. which is, by the way, so fresh to just to, end to, yeah. Yeah, to end it's your not, shit it's not a universe uh, or and anything. not have a stinger at the end yeah like, exactly. sets up a whole how to train it, it just, your cinematic I universe. haven't seen a movie like this that just ends in like years yeah, yeah like, cause a, we know even animated. with
1: Endgame it's still going to set up, and then we're gonna have a new Avengers with X-Men yeah. and yeah. everything else
2: I mean I'm, I'm here for your take I like it these are remark- they're extremely consistent movies yeah you could make a case
0: for any of the three as being the best one yeah. and I would be there for it yeah. like what each
2: is- each
1: one of them stands on what its is own. y'all's favorite personal favorite? I don't know. Um, I, well,
0: I honestly don't know. I, I'm kind of feeling the second one right now, but on any other day I could pick any of them. I think the first one um, suffers a lot from dated animation. It does. But yeah. it, it has such an amazing story about just a boy and his dragon, like very simple. It doesn't really introduce this larger world, um, and but introduces you to the characters and the the dragons and the the relationships of these Vikings warring with the dragons and the the boy and the dragon that kind of bring the worlds together. Uh, so I think that one might technically be the best, but. 2 and 3 have some of the best animation I've ever seen in anime. Yeah, uh, aside from like
2: Spider-Verse. Dream, DreamWorks saves their money for the sequels. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, for real. Well, I mean, they have to wait and see if something's... I mean, you yeah. saw us with Kung Fu Panda and other Yeah, movies. yeah, because it's I not actually, a guarantee. I mean, similar to this, I actually uh, wrote an article this week called uh, With the Hidden World, How to Train Your Dragon Franchise Solidifies Itself Among the Defiant Trilogies mm-hmm. of Our Time. Quoting yourself. Sheesh, yep. is that um, the article or the yeah. title? <laughs> <laughs> That is the entire article <laughs> and the title. Um, but I really it's a think tweet. you tweeted there's something. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're um, him up. <laughs> he wrote a whole article. He wrote yeah. a whole article, not just 180 yeah. characters, whatever the fuck a tweet is. Um, but I really think that there is something uh, special in each one of these movies. Yeah. The first one by far is the best. Uh, story. I think that the first one is my personal favorite because I think that is just like a work of art. Uh, like flying, the first flying,
0: the first flying scene, first
1: flying scene oh is God. amazing, and it has this great story. There isn't a traditional antagonist in the story unless you count the big uh, red death dragon yeah, or whatever the he's dragon, called. But other the than that, there's no real. Uh, Bad guy, it actually feels more like a classic Pixar Disney kind of a movie in that way, where it's more so about family and uh bonds with each other and friendship and kind of caring for the world and all of its creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, the second movie has, I think, uh, the best like action sequences. And I mean, the first one introduced a flying sequence, but the flying sequences that we get in the sec in the sequel are just they. I mean, it really is unlike anything else. The first time where he's flying up there and he just falls off the dragon Ooh, and then yeah. also like flies mm-hmm. alongside of Toothless yeah. is amazing. And then the third one is brings in all of these kind of existential ideas of what sentience and agency are when applied to animals and how much uh true freedom we should give to that. First you kinda of viewed dragons as pets and then the third movie really focuses them on uh thinking beings that deserve their own true freedom yeah yeah
2: i really yeah i really dig every every movie has an, a really respectable arc and the series as a whole has a respectable arc and that's uh usually one of those is sacrificed in in like a multi-movie situation but there it's a really thoughtful trilogy like it's thoughtfully made uh it's great for even like little kids it might scare them a little bit but it's there's nothing raunchy really about it it's perfect for like that kind of like nine to 13
0: age because that's the age when you're like fuck yeah dragons are awesome but you're not like young enough to be totally tuned out by the the character development Mm -hmm. and like some of these more emotional scenes
1: well, so one of my only qualms that I have with the entire franchise is that as we get into 2 and 3, um, we do have uh, very generic cartoonish bad guys. Yeah, and um, that kind of sets up a little bit of episode of a quick math. And this is actually something that was in the original script for How Trainer Dragon 2. Um, How Trainer Dragon 2 were introduced oh, the to the mom... And by by the end of the movie, it was supposed to be that they're on that Hiccup and uh, his mom are on opposite sides. She really is like on this stance of like dragons deserve to be free, they aren't as pets, and Toothless is using them more as pets and as tools to help them free other dragons. Um, And they kind of would end up on these opposing sides at the end of two, which would set up for three for kind of a big conflict between the two of them. They ended up having to rewrite it. I don't know if it was due to studio notes, due to uh, Dean and um, the other writer kind of realizing that this would be too heavy for a kid's movie, because yeah. that is some very heavy tones yeah. for a PG yeah. animated kid's yeah. movie. And it's, and, it's,
0: and it's treaded ground to having the the mother or father be like the bad guy well it's been done
1: but it's... it wouldn't be like they're ba- like from what i could tell like i don't think that they that she's not set up as a bad oh no guy. she's a good she's, she's a, not set up as a yeah. bad guy it's just that they have opposing views on the right. world yeah she's and that's, right that's what's would, I think, would make this franchise perfect to me. Yeah. It, which, I mean, it's hard to ask for a kid's movie to be any more than what we get. Exactly. I think
2: him. you are right, though. I think that, I don't know if it was just his own uh, instincts or notes, but it was like, listen, his dad's already dead. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they can't have his dad <laughs> die and then him be separated yeah, from his mother. and you want him to, like, yeah, you want him to shun his mom. But what if, what if, I mean, at the same time, what if the dad doesn't die at the end of 2? And I guess spoilers for the first two, How to Train Your Dragons. I guess we should have thrown that in there earlier. Whatever. The third movie is out now. If the dad didn't die, and then we also have this other subplot of the dad kind of at war with himself about does he side with his son in his new ways, or do I side with the love of my life? That's been gone for 20 years. Yeah. Like that, I feel like they could have done so much more. But I mean, again, I know I'm kind of asking a lot for Yeah. it's
0: they're very strong films and going into this third one i i was ready to get another strong film which i i think we did i think we did i i think it's obviously these aren't like these are kids movies you know they have to appeal to 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 children but the fact that there's enough there to elevate them to be you know have these more thought-provoking themes and and be able to to really enjoy the story and the animation and the performances on a on a much deeper level is amazing so i i obviously i'm not expecting it to be like a fucking transcendent cinematic masterpiece i don't think they are that i think that uh they're at at a core kids movies that at times transcend to something greater, um, but they're all very even, and I think the third one just, like, fits in perfectly with the the trilogy. There's no dip
1: in yeah, any of them. Yeah, and I mean, all three of them give you something different to kind of latch onto. I mean, this movie, it by far is the least dialogue of a movie, and we have these sequences with Toothless yeah. and uh, the Light Fury, yeah. as it's coined. Um, they gonna fuck. <laughs> the, a lot of Dragon Foreplay in this movie, um, oh. but... <laughs> These long extended sequences of them flying to together and courting each other that it almost feels like a ballet of sorts where it's just the music is playing and just them kind of sailing next to each other. Eventually they submerge themselves into the fog to go have dragon sex or whatever. But <laughs> it's just it's gorgeous. This movie is absolutely like stunningly yeah. gorgeous. I saw this movie in Dolby and it is I just, saw it in IMAX. I wish I could have seen it. I just didn't yeah. have a good showtime for IMAX thanks to Apollo eleven. Been there, done that.
0: There's uh there's some amazing imagery in the hidden world. I love the fact that they open with showing you um like the overcrowded aspect of this yeah. town. And well and how... before
1: we get there, we get like a wonder action sequence. Which... Oh on the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on the boat, which That's, was really was cool.
0: Great. The the fucking flame sword is so dope and
2: now they have these like new scale suits
1: yeah. that
0: are like
2: fireproof. Um, yeah. I I would actually make the point that I think these movies aim lower than even 9 to 13. I think that they're meant to be digested for people as young as, like, 4. Mainly, and I think the main way you can figure that is the humor in it is extremely young. Yeah. It's extremely... Oh, especially
1: with the kids. The design
2: of the dragons, too, with the big eyes. Oh, yeah, they're all goofy looking. I almost feel like in the sequels, like, they they might wish they could have uh, kind of done them up a little better because the sequels are so incredibly gorgeous movies like they look unbelievably good yeah and then this is like these stupid like (laughs) well but
1: i mean we do get some really cool and honestly kind of frightening for a child designs of dragons like we have this kind of scorpion dragon i was i was a little scared it's terrifying with this (laughs) thing with like a giant bleed and it's tail that can inject poison yeah that's
2: yeah the ones they introduce in the sequels are much uh more frightening and like less uh cartoony like they're like they're freaky um, I would be scared if I were a little kid.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, but I just think this—I just can't say enough about how much this franchise, like the way that they're able to make something that is essentially a kids' movie and then elevate it so that it's something that can be enjoyed by the masses of adults is—that's something that the best Pixar movies that do. That's something that I mean, movies like Coco or exactly. uh, Toy Story. These movies that can apply to such a vast range age range is that's one of the most difficult things to do in films.
0: Um, I think we should we should try to get into spoilers. So is, will there any like non-spoilery things you guys want to say before um, we
1: dive in? Not too much of a spoiler, but I did think it was interesting that uh, uh, really the second How to Train Your Dragon is all kind of about Toothless learning to become an alpha, and then the third movie is about Hiccup. Becoming the alpha yeah. of his clan and everything exactly. following the, the death chief. of his father, I thought that was a cool juxtaposition. And going back, back,
0: going back to the core of that relationship, yeah. like what they mean to each other, or do they need each other? Uh, is there some sort of like dependency between the two of them? Because mm-hmm. it's it, it's great to see like the moment where uh, Toothless literally like physically can't fly to be with this dragon that he wants to mate with because his tail is fucked up. Like, he, he can't do it. He needs Hiccup to, like,
2: fly him to be able to, to fly successfully. So well, I, w- moment... I want
1: to get into that, but that's going to get into spoilers um, for, uh...
2: Yeah, I, I will say, the with, I think, all of these movies, the ideas conveyed are the best part. Like, they, it's really, really uh, heady stuff that they're working with, and they manage to make it digestible for pretty much anybody. Um... During this one, especially a lot of the time, I had to kind of like pinch myself and be like, hey, This is a kids' movie, yeah. so it's okay. it's okay if these YouTube. lines suck, like, it's for kids. Just watch the movie, it's a good movie. Yeah,
1: you, 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 you kind of the kids, the, the like friends, the other like children of this island, kind of they they were they drained me in a way that the other two <laughs> movies didn't. Well, in the second
0: one, they almost completely sit out, yeah, because we're focused on the new character, on the mother. And and that whole dynamic and there's
1: and Eric, very little son of Eric. Yeah, uh Kid Harrington. Yeah.
0: yeah. There's so much more of a focus on these new characters that the uh the original cast from the first movie gets sidelined, but then in the third movie we get more of those characters, specifically the the not TJ Miller, they replace <laughs> T J Miller with a TJ
2: Miller impersonator. He gets so many lines. Yeah, uh, and that I thought it was my... a weird choice to give him lines when and it's not like it was notably not T.J. Yeah, Miller. you could tell. They, I found myself
0: like, because when I saw the second one, I was like, "Damn, I kind of miss these group of dragon riders." And then in the third one, I was like, "Oh wait, like, I kind of wanted a little bit more from the mother."
2: Yeah, I really. Blanchet. Yeah, it was very like she was an afterthought. Yeah, it was kind of that kind of bothered me a little bit. But these are little kids' movies. Exactly. We are. We're big babies doing a podcast. <laughs> These are extremely good movies. Well,
1: I mean, I guess we can kind of transition right into spoilers with that note about yeah, being let's big babies. Um, what would you guys rank this real quick? Rate it? Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's a kid's movie. So it's,
0: it's kind of hard to rate. I mean, because I want to give it like a seven, but that's...
2: I feel like that's low because I would, of how much yeah. I enjoyed it. I would give all these movies a, a good 8, like a yeah, really solid 8. Exactly. I give
1: I give this an 8 same ranking as the second one. The first one I give a 9. Yeah. I fucking love the first movie so yeah. much. Um but moving now into spoilers, how effective was the ending of the of the franchise for okay. you
0: guys? Okay. So the whole time during this movie i was like where the fuck is bearded hiccup where is daddy hiccup because i had seen a still online and the whole movie it wasn't there and i was like fuck are they gonna cheat me out of bearded hiccup
2: yeah (laughs) daddy daddy bear yeah
0: and then finally at the very end we get this epilogue and boom there he is and at that point i hadn't really felt like the emotional punch that i had felt in the second movie where Gerard Butler, when the father dies, like that, that moment really, really worked for me. Um, and in this third one, I was like, you know, this is good. Like, I'm digging it, but it, it's not really hitting me on an emotional level until that final sequence, that epilogue sequence where we get Hiccup with his kids, uh. with, with Astrid as his wife, and they go out to the hidden world to see Toothless... And his kids, I'm getting emotional right Dude, now I, just thinking about I it. I
1: watched this scene through tears. I was, they, like, um, bawling I, yeah, in the theater. I was, I was crying I was so, so hard in the theater that I did not think that a movie, like, it, the last time I think I cried this hard this in a theater was Toy Story 3, which there are actually a lot of similarities between Toy Story that 3 ending. and How to Train Your Dragon 3. Yeah. Um, kind of this feeling of, like, having to move on. Let go. Uh, let go. Yeah, and. You, Toy Story, why didn't you end? <laughs> yeah, yeah. see, in Toy Story 3, it had the perfect yeah, ending. Just in go the ending. away. But I just, I loved, I wish that we could have gotten even more of this idea, because it's kind of alluded to, it doesn't come completely out of nowhere. I've seen some people just be like, oh man, that means that... What this movie is saying is that if you love your dog, you need to go take him out in the forest and just leave him there, which is (laughs) not the point of this whatsoever. Dragons
0: aren't fully dogs. They're also like reptiles and birds. And
1: kind of cats. They're really, they're really like shown as cats, first off in the franchise. But like with kind of their like stray cats, how they're kind of hate people. Um, But I just, I liked, I mean, I could feel where this movie was coming like a mile away just because it's like set up. Earlier on, you know, you talked about they. Early in the franchise, it's about them establishing this codependence together. I mean, these are two broken people. They're both disabled people, and they learn how to be codependent together so that it uh, helps both of them. And now the third movie really takes the step of learning to let this friend this lifelong partner of yours go if it means that uh like you can both achieve freedom if you can have dragon sex and you gotta let your friends go
2: yeah i will yeah after i watched this movie i um i went home and i took my cat to the woods and i just dropped her and i left yeah good luck <laughs> yeah no and I you're was free like, now i was like you're welcome <laughs> yeah. she got picked up by a hawk immediately <laughs> <laughs> um no i i love the ending they went they made they made like the move because the other move that they could have done is like oh all the dragons come and visit seasonally and they bring the villagers fish or whatever and they have this fun little relationship but they don't live there that would be like great but the more emotional move is to do every you know soldier coming home to his dog video that's exactly what they did like they pulled it from the page of the most emotional videos on the internet that make everybody cry but the dog the dog has a husband or a wife dog and and kids little little puppies yeah exactly in fact to toothless jay bear is the dog yeah yeah (laughs) exactly yeah that's a great point um but, yeah, like, they, it, it's, it was such a smart move to, like, they had the time pass thing. Even though you don't feel the time pass, you kind of do feel it, and, and they just went. Because, you know, it's not like we see the soldier go to war in those videos, but we still cry. They still get shared more than any videos on the internet because they are just universally emotional because we all love how our dogs love us yeah we all or our pets in general we all think you know if i didn't see this this little guy for a couple of years they would they would freak
0: out if they saw yeah. me again and then that that final moment of them all like on the dragons flying it was uh it was so beautiful and
1: i mean i loved i i don't want to get too far of ourselves because we do want to talk about the movie as a whole but then whenever it cuts to the credits and you see shots Recap, and little, like caps yeah. of the entire movie it just hit yeah. me so hard that we've just gone this journey with them for like the past nine years or so which i can't believe that the first movie came out so long ago but yeah. yeah it really has been just i mean
0: how old is hiccup supposed to be in that first movie
1: probably like 16 yeah and so, now he's
0: like a full-blown adult Yeah, now like, he's like a full man tribe and everything
1: um, so, uh, to kind of backtrack a little bit, what did you guys think of um, the new bad guy that we got in this?
0: Uh, you know, it's he's it's not bad, but I didn't like how it was like the same thing as the second movie. Yeah, it was literally the same thing. I did like the the design of the dragons. Uh, I thought the performance was good. He was very menacing. He was scary. I thought that was very effective. I just didn't like how it was kind of like just a retread of the villain in in the uh in the yeah the second movie, which who was played by I can't even remember who played that guy um but i i you know, I thought it was fine i'll I'll do a quick maths right now for that character. I really, really thought that because he was like mind controlling his dragons with their own venom. I thought that that was going to be his demise. I thought that was like a perfect setup and payoff of like the, that the dragons were going to kill him when they came out of their, out of their uh, submission Out of their brainwashed venom shit mm. Thought that would have been a cool ending but You he just ends see up... it
1: turn to like an R rated movie And the dragons like <laughs> rip him apart And blood sprays everywhere This movie has a lot of death This and the second one have a lot of death yeah. for a kids yeah. movie <laughs> There's They're... no blood shown but <laughs> pretty gets brutal
2: Yeah pretty heavy shit I mean yeah that's yeah I guess age wise this is like one step above What the movies we saw trailers for Oh, um, God damn the it. ugly doll movie like that's for like <laughs> fetuses like that's for like people who like stillborn babies <laughs> I would never in a million uh, years take my child to that movie No, you know well, what I'm taking my, my child
1: hope to? That I don't want the summer movie wager because otherwise we're all watching that, that I'm,
2: I'm taking my infant straight yeah. to the hereditary <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to, to that thought about
0: the moment when Hiccup builds Toothlets the new tail. Yeah. and he finally sets him free because i didn't realize that point that you just made about how toothless how hiccup is toothless's pet in a way yeah and that's a great point because that moment what happens there it, and and hiccup has or toothless has his new tail to go fly free he he kind of pauses and stops and and looks back at hiccup one
2: last time and it's kind of like toothless being like you're going to be okay buddy You'd yeah. be able
0: to lead these people exactly. without well,
2: me. Because the the relationship between these humans and their dragons is a lot more transactional than us and our pets. Yeah. Like that's that's a one way street, and what we get back is like emotional support. We don't they don't like do our laundry. Right. Like <laughs> these dragons are doing like chores for the humans, basically, you know? Uh so yeah, exactly. It's it's much more of like a uh even ground, basically. Um I really like that. Yeah. I like I like that Toothless was like like you said, you were talking about it plays with the agency of animals. Yeah. Like these animals are extremely capable.
1: <laughs> well, and another thing that I really liked about this movie, because one thing that I actually thought about while watching the second film was, you know, we're introduced to Burke and there's just dragons everywhere. And I was like, huh, what are the real ramifications for us having dra- like giant fucking beasts everywhere? And the movie, and then the movie starts with this big ass dragon just knocking down a <laughs> tower that probably probably killed some people. Yeah, yeah. like people probably It's like a domino effect
0: it. where like several buildings collapsed. Yeah,
1: so it, if people just aren't standing in the town square at that exact moment, it's a then they're great probably way, dead, It's but... a
0: great way to introduce the the way the the how this world is right now with so many dragons, like the overpopulation yeah. of it all. You see, uh, what's his name, Craig Ferguson, Viking, like step over like several dragons' tails to just try to
1: walk around. Like it's just. Physically, like, overloaded yeah. I mean, everywhere. and that's one thing about this whole franchise that's always done well is visual storytelling. Yeah, like, we have some exposition dumps from uh, mainly the bad guys that are kind of like, I'm evil, and here's why I'm evil, and you shouldn't like me or trust yeah. me. But other than that, like, the actual uh, relationships themselves are always visualized, or always yeah. visually I mean, the,
0: all of the, the, the Night Fury, Light Fury... Yeah. Uh they, foreplay. they they can't talk. Exactly. They just... And, and that takes yo. up a big chunk of the movie. Yeah, There's like extended sequences of them just
2: like Yeah. I could just watch dragon
1: foreplay. Like I want to <laughs> find those clips on Pornhub yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> do
2: how do you think that it's canon that in the first two uh he was, like the the dragon uh, Toothless was like very horny. Do you think like, Well, he what... like
1: he probably was just like a child just yeah. like early pickup, yeah, and then he, he kind young. of grew up and now he's in like dragon adolescence yeah Yeah. but like even just the scene i would like i laughed really hard over seeing it just because i thought that was just like very sweet it was like him like practicing like courting like with his shadow and everything else it's like something that like a child would do like trying to yeah and
0: then the one the one guy's like can can you just take him like this is is disgusting (laughs) this is sad to watch (laughs)
2: <laughs> he's like licking the wall they're like is is he licking her face or her asshole we don't we, <laughs> we don't, don't know. know we can't know it's direct from
0: the
1: script <laughs> yeah. what they said
0: yeah if, if i had to give any complaints I, I i'll just reiterate that like some of it is kind of a retread of the second movie that there is uh... i actually kind of like the
1: villain in this one a little bit more than the yeah, second one no it's a, it's a much better it's performance, a better more menacing better villain i mean if they're gonna have just pure maniacal evil then just go with Fucking pure yeah. maniacal The actual way that he looks is really yeah like, really creepy. He looks like something from like a Tim Burton movie. He kind of looks like a like, very long c- face. kind of and...
0: look like Javier Bardem. <laughs> I thought it was him, but it's F. Murray Abraham. I was like, uh, no. that's no. Bardem. No. Um well.
2: I yeah, I think the thing that bothers me the most about all these movies is it's not that like if it, if they were going for like pure drama or at least just not not trying to be funny that'd be fine but a lot of the time they're not funny and they're trying to be and that does bother me sometimes however they're not jokes for me exactly you can't they're always for little children. It's it's one of the hardest things to do as we It's
0: said. like I mean, the moment the moment where the one girl is like talking so much that she yeah. gets left out of let out of the cage
1: Yeah no that's like a moment for kids yeah. it's it's annoying for us as like adults watching it but the fact that we can even talk about this movie and have a philosophical debate about what these dragons are supposed to represent and uh what kind of agency they have as creatures that's amazing that's not something that you get out of just a regular animated movie but even on a
0: surface level too just the the visual themselves like the way the camera moves as you're flying through the skies on these dragons like it's gorgeous the They're, sense of scale yeah. when you, we see these massive massive dragons i'm i'm thinking particularly of of the second movie where we first meet uh the kind of like ice breathing dragon oh, yeah, that, that alpha, alpha. Yeah. just that whole sequence how it's conveyed of like how massive this dragon is it's so masterfully done like ah oh, just
1: yeah, and I mean, and that, or even whenever you go into the hidden world itself, Bro. yes, toothless, like I, that's
2: I, I was tripping balls. The I was just oh my like,
1: god! It's but it seems so expansive. It looks like you're just going to go into there, and there's probably just going to be a bunch of dragons on top of each and other. It keeps everything changing. it just keeps going and going and yeah. going, and you're like, we see this like is little, all like under the crust of the earth. We
0: see like little dragon egg babies, like little yeah. alien, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. <laughs> just
1: like kind of like flowing around, like they <laughs> look like little like baby dragon ghosts yeah, um, yeah no that was I, incredible looking. I love that and uh, the way that the movie closed had my favorite Jay Baruchel voiceover of anything that was just like every time that like a volcano erupts or the ground quakes maybe that's just like the dragons trying to yeah. talk to us but basically we aren't ready for dragons
0: basically uh, it's set in our world
1: yeah and that's kind of was a cool realization it's like oh maybe this is like kind of take yeah. place in our world and I like dragons are I like this idea about like we don't deserve dragons because at the end of the day, we're still, like, humans are always going to be fighting with each other, and, like, we aren't ready to have the power of this creature. Like, that was not something that I was expecting going into this movie for it to, like... Say something about our society and humanity as a whole that we are such a violent people. I mean, that's why I feel like it's almost, it was purposeful for them to have another bad guy that's almost the same thing as the last time. They even make a comment. I think Valka, the mom, even yeah, makes the a comment. It's just like, yeah, don't you, didn't we just do this like yeah. the last movie? But the fact that it says something about how, like, hey, no matter even if you take out this guy, there's always going to be another dragon trapper, there's always going to be somebody else who's going to come in the wake of this right. person and i think that that is that's really gives a lot to chew on
0: and it ties in cuz this movie's trying to do so much it's doing the, the toothless dragon fucking it's following up on the uh the existing character dynamics it's introducing this new character uh this new band of characters it's trying to do so much that like that what you just said it ties back to the the main through line of this relationship between hiccup and toothless mm. and how uh what's basically happening as toothless is like basically falling in love is hiccup is like a worried parent and he feels like this insane attachment to this creature and it's like at a certain point you can't you can't like have that continue yeah you can't be like the, 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 yeah, this recurring theme of like ownership and like, oh, I, I know what's best. I don't trust that, yeah, light dragon with my little
1: dark dragon boy. Yeah. I, I will say one thing. I really wanted more Astrid. We got like so much Astrid in yeah. the first Isn't movie Kristen and I Week? love their dynamic. No, it's, uh, oh, the, America Frere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kristen um, Week is the other one. Yeah. Kristen Week's character is the one that annoys me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, like, I really loved Astrid, like, this kind of, not a love, well, it's almost kind of established in the first movie as, like, a love triangle between Hiccup, Toothless, and Astrid, yeah. is, like, he kind of has to choose whether he kills this dragon for the woman that he's into, or if he stays with this dragon to the opposition yeah, of a her. it's the classic
2: fuck, Mary kill <laughs> scenario. <laughs>
1: but the fact that, like, it, she kind of disappears a little bit in the second one, and then she's, like almost completely gone in this movie except for it to be like an object for hiccup to marry i found a little bit yeah little i'm bit yeah sad. if we're
2: doing quick mass we can all probably agree i wanted more of the the girl and more of the mom uh, yes, uh, partic- a lot more of the particularly, mom particularly yeah that that got on my nerves she's actually.
0: such a badass
2: um she's a great yeah she's a brilliantly written character she has all this independence and her viewpoint is so pertinent to the storyline of this movie and she's mostly just being like wait You know, talking to the uh, girlfriend, he'll listen to you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What about you, mom? Well, I mean, yeah, because I think that that all has to do with the fact that they did this rewrite and they kind of took out a lot of the, like, uh, they took out a lot from her character. Because in reality, she was going to play a lot bigger role in the second one, which would have set up for an even bigger role in the third one. But because they, I feel like they, once they changed her character, dynamic and her point of view they didn't really know what to do with their character and also the fact
0: that the they have this huge roster of voice actors like jonah hill and kit harrington and there i feel like they just barely got a line in in this third one like i maybe i heard like two lines from kit harrington man jonah
2: hill needed to shut up in this movie. (laughs) not his fault but his character needed to go away um but yeah another thing that that like the reason i'm willing to forgive any thing that bothered me about this movie is like at a base level with animated movies in particular the main question that you want to ask is do i enjoy spending time in this world right because the world is created from whole cloth every decision is a choice you know like the way the humans look is a choice it's not like you know it doesn't have the limitations of an actual real life movie uh and so if you enjoy the world like anything that happens in it is a little bit more okay um, and I, I just enjoy spending time in this universe. It's, it's interesting to me, uh, the dynamics of it. It has a great internal logic where it's completely logical how things work, even if they are completely different from our world. Obviously, um, we are we don't like our dragons at all. Yeah, I we know. we banish them, keep um, them in cages. But yeah, the the dynamics, the logistics, everything in this world. I, I find enjoyable more. So, so if there's like some shitty dialogue, I'm willing to forgive it because mm. I'm still there. I'm and, still in a, I'm still in a fun place. And
0: each movie expands on that, on the world building a little bit. More. Yeah, exactly. It like broadens the scope mm. ever so slightly. Yeah. I mean,
1: it even is like actually represented in the movie has, if you remember back to the first movie, he has that map and it's just Burke. Yeah. And then he keeps adding pages to it. And yeah. like the second film, they go to the new island. He's like adding a couple pages on by the third movie. The map is, like, fucking huge. Like, he has to, like, actually roll it up whenever he wants to take it somewhere and everything else. Like, yeah. y- it's literally expanding the world just the same way that they are seeing is The world is getting so I love much bigger. it, yeah.
0: In the second movie, there's that moment at the very beginning where you get this sense of, like, how one of his priorities is to just explore, to just fly around with mm. Toothless and see what's out there. And I, I, really, I really love that. Um, so yeah great movies great movies any other thoughts
1: I'm gonna miss this franchise I mean I'm glad that it's ending and that's great that we can actually just watch all three of these movies and it's one finite story Mm. there's even I actually kind of am interested to check out the Netflix show because I've actually heard good things about it it's all the same voice actors like Jay Baruchel and all them like it's all the actual cast members did this Netflix show damn so cool any last thoughts guys Uh, good movie uh, yeah I like it I'm not gonna
2: I'm not going to put it in my top tier of kids' movies of all time, but that's rarefied air, and it's right below that.
1: Well, I don't think – I mean, like I said, I don't think that it reaches the highs of the first movie. The first movie is one of my – I mean, I mentioned it in my honorable mentions. It was like number six or seven for my favorite non-Disney animated movies of all time. Um, And I don't think this quite reaches that, but it is – um, a excellent conclusion to the yeah. Franchise. It's very
2: fun. There were a lot of like really young kids in my theater uh, when I saw it this morning. Like, I
1: actually saw it weirdly with like five other people, and they were all like grown men, and we were all <laughs> just sobbing <laughs> together, just holding each other through it. I mean, that ending is so effective. It's it is they like got me. I mean, I just I <laughs> I was like clapping through tears yeah. at the end of the movie. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> um, yeah, it works. It works for all ages. Is it better than the Lego Movie Two? Yeah, yes. I think so. I would say so. Yeah, I definitely. So. It's not yeah. better than the first one in my opinion. No, personally, no way. Yeah, but it's it's close, and yeah. it's it's I don't I don't like it as much as Spider I Verse. Think right now
1: I have this at adno- I Spider-verse is another but, level. Yeah, Spider Verses and but yeah, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's
0: that's another thing in a post Spider Verse world. Now <laughs> We've it's been really spoiled
2: with Spider Verse. It's,
0: it's hard to it's hard to like judged animated movies well i found myself like looking at some of the animation choices in this and i was like the faces
2: of these people look like a little too smooth yeah give me some like (laughs) give me some more texture well it's like it is kind of the it's like if we were reviewing a mafia movie and then we were like well it's no godfather yeah exactly exactly Exactly. that's the thing is i feel like that's just
1: not fair like we can't hold it to this kind of a standard yeah it's
2: better than anything that we saw
1: trailer hey for. you know what yeah. should have been our that's top for five sure. for best non animated Disney movies of all time fucking spider verse because I think that that movie is a yeah. masterpiece yeah I mean, it is
2: that's in my I mean that is in my top three I don't know why I didn't throw it in there I like it better than the first Lego
1: movie I think yeah. it's just because it's recent yeah that's yeah. why that's why I wanted to go for we've already talked about it things but yeah give, give some it, give shot give some to years. new stuff like a uh, this movie called Space Jam I don't know if you guys have heard of it all right um I guess that's it for our
0: review of How to Train Your Dragon. Amazing movie. Well, I don't know about amazing, <laughs> but it made me feel amazing while the, I was. Watching turns it. out
1: the real answer to how to train your dragon is don't. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <sighs> Damn, bro. <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> All, All right, right, that's wild. Let's let's wrap it up, guys.
0: It's been another crazy amazing episode full of twists and turns and highs and lows and poops and peas. <laughs> Listen,
1: I, I want you to find <laughs> other celebrities that have the same thing going on. Like, I Sly want Stolte. to.
0: Yeah. Where, where can we find your, your, your intense uh, <laughs>
2: investigative,
1: investigative
0: journalism. journalism?
2: I'm, uh, yeah. Twitter at drew Dietzen. I'm really, I'm trying to decide if I need to go really hard on this shit.
1: I think that you should. I mean, this, this is the thing
2: because well, I mean, from what I've heard, he goes soft on it. If it makes it <laughs> into the drain, it's gotta be soft poopy. Uh, I, I, I think people need to know about this. I would like I for, think you should like dip a couple toes. It needs, like yeah. tread
0: the waters a little bit, see what's out there in terms of interest. <laughs> and then once you catch it it's like fishing,
2: right? Hey,
1: the ringer is getting into investigative journalism with the yeah. uh, the seventy-sixers piece just, last week. So your outlet.
2: I'm gonna shop it. Aside from all the online sources, the only person I talked to, he can confirm that he got kicked out of the hotel. He saw him leave angrily and he ended up staying across the street and possibly doing the same thing across the street. <laughs> yeah, because he just he can't stop with the poop. <laughs> um, however, that's all I have. I need I need to get a maintenance guy who cleans You need the poop. to
1: find like a town where uh, Sly Slice has been like blacklisted. Like he's yeah, not allowed yeah. to stay at any hotel because they all know that well, this is a thing. The, well
2: it's, a lot of people must know because like higher up, because chains uh, ban him. He's banned from the four seasons because it's not like the one in Maui isn't gonna call the one in like LA and be <laughs> like, hey, he don't let him in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's pooping. Y'all know Rocky? Yeah, Rocky be pooping. <laughs>
1: um anyway.
2: Uh okay. yeah.
1: Um you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt @huntmobley, H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. Also check out my website, HuntMobbly.com, dot com, where I wrote kind of a piece about uh Hidden World and the trilogy as a hold. And why it's better than The Godfather, why it's better Whoa. than the original Star Wars. Better than Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I, I didn't quite make
0: that statement but um
1: <laughs> i'd say that it belongs in the ranks of those it yeah. belongs in the same
0: breath. i mean to me one of the best uh anime or not anime but trilogies of the modern era is the planet of the apes one like yeah. that's that's like the gold standard yeah. for me and this one you know it's 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 a kid's movie it's not like as adult as planet of yeah the apes, i mean but it's, it's a similar
1: like yeah like just and it's, very good and at the end films. of the day just like uh just like with the uh, Planet of the Apes movie, there's inner arcs between each movie, and then there's an entire series arc, and that's what I think yeah. comes across. And that's what good trilogies do. Cool. All
0: right, so follow us at We bought a mic on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of How to Train Your Dragon, or if you're out there and you know the truth of Rocky yeah.
2: Balboa. Hey,
1: listeners, like <laughs> right in. Like, Slice we the want loan. you on this podcast. Yeah. We need to at take we him down. Mike,
2: I need to get like a PO box. <laughs> <laughs> Or something send us your your shits. Yeah. We'll compare them. I'm gonna get a phone call and it's gonna be like, uh, "This is anonymous. Uh, you need you need to show your fucking mouth." <laughs> oh he he sounds like he's already being put through a, a voice modifier. Yeah. Uh,
0: stick around next week. We got Captain Marvel. Um, we're also gonna be hitting you with some more special guests this month. We're in March. Uh, we got us Jordan Peele. Um, and, yeah, I'm at Calderness, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd. So hit me up on there. Should be fun. Should be good times. Uh, cool. Yeah. Anything else? Cool. Cool.
1: Let's, let's shut it down. Good job by you guys.
0: Let's go back to our hidden world forever. To be forgotten. If by you everyone. love your
1: dog, go take him out in the fucking yeah, woods. Put, put him, yes, yes. Throw him out there. set him free. Did you
0: guys get that trailer for the Dennis Quaid dog movie? Yes, where it's like oh a, man, it's a, dog a dog's that journey keeps coming back to life.
1: Yeah, it's a dog's journey. It's the sequel
2: to a dog's yeah, purpose. Yeah. Reincarnation is real, <laughs> for only only for dogs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, on that note, peace out.
1: Bye.